night in Bible study, and Pastor Dan said that I can go deeper. I think that's a nice way of saying he talks more. And, uh, but uh, no, we have a great time from the children on up. And I really want to encourage you this year to break through into this area. Uh, my Lions, Detroit Lions, are playing late this afternoon, and I'm recording it because I'm going to be here uh, this afternoon in my office around four, and um, so I can watch it after I get home tonight. And so, you know, just record things, but make it a point this year in the breakthrough is what it's going to take for us to really move into this realm. God has set it up. Let me just say another thing to you. What I'm excited about is that there's going to be a transformational thinking uh, this year. And so remember that uh, the wording that I bring you, transformational thinking. It's going to change when the enemy comes in. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood... God raises up a standard. But that standard is raised up already, but we have to proclaim it. What I find, and I've found for years, a spiritual attack on the church is around the Christmas holidays, we get tired. Uh, You're in the, the season where there's sniffles, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. And people in the process of the celebration of the fulfillment of the promise of God, the Christmas story, is we get lonely. We feel like no one cares. When situations arise, we feel like our spouse doesn't care and no one understands. I want to tell you, some of that may be true. Maybe no one's around you. Maybe your spouse has a problem and doesn't care. Let me tell you something, is that comes from the spirit of the enemy. Loneliness, feeling like no one cares. Because God has anointed you to break through and to be the blessing for others. And I'm going to say this way to be a blessing for others in spite of the others. You know what I'm talking about, in spite of the others. So it is a time of breakthrough that when we feel these emotions, the enemy says, don't go to church. You don't feel good. Don't do this. Don't do that. COVID, you know, the fear of COVID. COVID is real. The flu is real. Sniffles are real. But in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because Jesus Christ, through the gift of Christ, has overcome the world, has overcome these things. And so I'm going to pray for you because there are some of you that the enemy has lied to you and and you are believing it, and some online, we welcome you. And I want you to recognize right now, you need to spit that lie out of your head immediately. That you are not alone. You will never be alone because Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? You have the promise of God. 
And as we're learning, and we're going to talk about more, that Christmas is the fulfill, the fulfillment of God's promises. Multitude of promises have been fulfilled through the birth of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. In Jesus' name, I come against the lies of the enemy. Valley Community Church is a people that love you, that are gifted and amazing people. And today, I come against the lies of the enemy as a pastor of this church, and I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and I say that when you lie, that we will recognize the lie and where it's coming from. And the joy of the Lord will absolutely overwhelm us during these times. And when loneliness attacks, we are not lonely anymore. We will, as Pastor Dan said, we will draw close to you and have the greatest comfort and the greatest love hugging us like we've never been hugged before. And then when we think and hear a lie of that no one cares, you sent your son because you cared for us. You said to cast our care upon you because you care for us. Truth will overcome the lie. And we give you honor for that. And we rejoice in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord an applause today. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God bless you as you're seated. We need to remember that the Christmas story is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God. Some, again, of you are still waiting on a promise that God has given you, and in your heart and mind and what you see has not come to pass yet. Unlike the Christmas story... (laughs) An angel hasn't come and appeared to you. And all you see at times is the problem or the thing does not exist yet. But you have something that God placed in your heart. God has spoken to you in many different ways and multitude of ways on the same subject. It is in your heart, and it is in your mind. And we don't, when we don't really understand the absolute joy of the Christmas story of the birth of Christ, then at times we struggle in our believing and our acceptance of what God has put in our heart. But I want to say today, as I'm going to teach you, I want to encourage you today that God promised a Savior, a Redeemer of mankind. And again, the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of that promise. Christmas that we just walked and lived through is proof the Father loves you and me. And will fulfill the promise that he gave you. 
All through the Old Testament, promises of the Messiah to a young lady, a promise was given to her that was this wild promise. How could it be fulfilled? But God did. And it's proof that that wild dream that you've had, that you know is from God, you know is from God, that you know that God placed it there, is going to come to pass too. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to solidify the proof of what Christmas provides. So let's, let's just make an action today in our church and, and let's just put our hands just up like this and just say, Father, I receive it in Jesus' name. And from now, what you need to understand is I'm going to help you and I'm going to try to help you and encourage you uh, to really begin to upload. Let's use the terminology of the day. Let's begin to upload what God has said to you again. Let's reiterate in our spirits and our hearts the joy when we receive the promise. Let's get back to that joy. And that joy is being a person that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God raises up a standard, but you are part of that flood by confessing the promise and also letting the joy of the Lord be your strength. When you're lonely, feel lonely, you go bless someone. You call somebody. You pray for someone in your prayer closet. You be the one that will say, I'm not lonely. I'm not alone. Jesus, you're with me. So let's, let's live this life in a great way. Luke chapter 1, let's read it again. And we're going to talk about other people in the story. And uh, we're going to see what they did, what they enacted in their own life, and how they were able to see the promise of God to them personally and many times our personal promises are collective promises that God gives to the church. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, Highly favored one. Now let me ask you, because of today's day, um, what did Mary do? What was reported that Mary did that caused her to be favored? I want to tell you, nothing. The Bible says nothing about Mary until this took place or the promise. Let me ask you this. What great thing have you done that caused you to be favored of God? Rejoice, highly favored ones. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, <laughs> she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was? Then the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, behold, I want you to see. I want you to live this life now. And I'm telling you as your pastor, behold, I want you to see in the promise that God chose to highly favor you. All right? You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Some of you ladies are saying, I don't want any child. No. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen. So in the story of Christmas, we read the fulfillment of a long series of promised events to many people through thousands of years. Also remember, as we said last week, a fulfilled promise is not the end. Hold on to that thought. It reminds us God is aware We need a Redeemer, and with Jesus' birth and his obedience, God advances his next step towards you. God has favored every one of us with the ability to walk in his kingdom reality. God has highly favored you when he gives you that promise to be able to see it through in your life. So let me remind you of our hope that comes in Christ. A fulfilled promise is an event that God marks, saying, I will never let you down. what Gabriel was saying. Always perceive that God says, when I do act on your behalf, it's an event that says to you, there is more that I have for you, and it will affect your future. So if you recognize in this reality that the promise, the actual promise God marks and it's going to affect your future, my understanding and revelation of this is that I want to dive in in my walk with God to where I do not hinder anything of what God is doing in my life. So I'm excited because my future has already been figured out by God. And what is needed for my future has already been set forth, I'm going to use Christianese, set forth so that we can know that everything that we need in the promise is there for us to walk in. In the Christmas story, as we began last week, and we told you the three, we see three things that Mary did, and all of us must do to engage in the promise of events fulfilled in our future. 
So there are three things that we must always have where after the Christmas story, I want to tell you again, the enemy comes against that. And what he does is he says, you're lonely. You know, uh, no one cares. It's not going to work. I can't figure out how God will ever do this because look what happened during Christmas. My Christmas was ruined and you fill in the blank because. And that's what the enemy does. He tries to get us into a place of forgetting the three things that Mary did that allowed her, even in the event, watch this, even in the event of Jesus' death, she was given someone to take care of her because God cares. Remember Jesus on the cross? John, here's your mother. She was, quote, in her experience, losing a son, and she was given a son. Last week, we first covered, the first one was accept the promise. Remember in verse 38 of Luke 1, Mary said this, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her according to what you said to me. Not what I'm experiencing, not what I'm seeing or not seeing. What you said to me, let it be. I accept it. It is mine. And God, you haven't changed your mind. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it will come to pass. So I accept that. It doesn't matter if all Hades is breaking loose. It doesn't matter if everything has fallen apart. What you said, God, I accept it. And it will come to pass. So let's go on. Accepting the promise is appropriating God's promise for yourself. Everyone else might, you know, be doomsday, but you in your heart know God said it, it's going to take place. Do not measure, church family, your feeling of unworthiness to the greatness of the promise. How many of you have been there? I don't know how God would do that. You hear it all the time from people. I don't know if I'm good enough. Because it's not dependent upon your goodness, it's dependent on God's goodness. Think about it. There was no major accomplishment recorded about Mary before the angel appeared. None. Think about this. A virgin birth was an unbelievable thing and in that day an unacceptable thing of the day. Luke 1, verse 34 through 37. It says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Oh, very great question. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that 
Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I want to tell you, wherever you're at in your life, whatever's going on in your life, if you're struggling with the promise, nothing is impossible for God. So accept it. God promises in your life are beyond your mental capacity. They are beyond your mental capacity to figure it out. How's he going to do it? Now, I want to tell you, God will tell you things at times. He'll show you what he's going to do. He'll give you prophetic words. He'll give you words of knowledge, all kinds of things. But I want to tell you, in most cases, what God promises you is greater than your mental capacity can understand. And the only thing that you can do is what Mary did Be it unto me what you have said. Accept it by accepting what God promised you, which, here it is, what God promised, sounds weird when I say this, what God promised is what God said. It's his word. Luke 138 again, Mary accepted it, and it was hers, and said, I have never heard this happen before. I, in my own mental capacity, I can't figure out how this can be done, Gabriel. And I also know right now that others will despise me and doubt. But behold, not my way, but God, your way be done. I am the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I accept it. That was last week. But let's go to another step and go to the second thing that was done in this story is believe the promise. Not only accept the promise, but we need to believe the promise. Joseph, Mary's husband, will be the example of this belief system. Now the picture, uh, here it is. As Joseph became aware, the woman he was betrothed to was pregnant, and he had no relations with her. (laughs) She had the audacity to say to him, I'm pregnant by God. Okay, folks, put yourself in Joseph's shoes or sandals. Excuse me. It's going to tweak your paradigm when you hear stuff like that. A paradigm is a typical pattern of something that's not how it goes. That's not how it's supposed to work. You fall in love, you're betrothed, you get married, 
And in love, you have children. So Joseph in Matthew 1, verse 19, 21 says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, we're not talking about she was going to disappear somewhere. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph's trying to do the right thing. And that's where you and I are at. We're just trying to do the right thing. And sometimes stuff is hard. Sometimes the enemy comes in and says, no one cares what's going on in your life. I just imagine Joseph and his experience. First, Mary comes and says, I love you, but I'm pregnant and his dad is God. <laughs> yeah, right. Then he goes to bed, stressed and doesn't sleep well, and has a dream. God tells him this dream for mankind. See, I want to tell you, every promise God gives you is not just for you only. It's to bring a blessing and a fulfillment of his promise in your life so you can be a blessing to other people. And there's a lot of times, you know, in Christianity, we get very selfish. We get, oh, okay, I, I don't want you to look at me that way. I get selfish. Me, me, me. But the reality is he wakes up and basically, I can just picture it, whoa. That dream was hard to swallow. You ever been there? When a work is being done in your life, not only you must accept it by God, it and a part of it is you're going to have to get to a place where you believe it. That it's a done deal. We have to get to a place in our life what God has promised he's going to do. Even though you've messed up for decades, but you have turned it around. Salvation has come. Scripture talks about when salvation comes, that house is cleaned. But what you must do is begin to fill it with the promises of God. Fill it with the word of God. Fill it with truth. Because the Bible says if we don't, then the enemy comes back in and he becomes seven times stronger in your life. We have victory over the enemy. And in these promises, many people, they die and are buried without fulfilled promises because they have rejected it. They haven't accepted and they stopped believing, they began doubting on what God would do in their life and those around them. 
Again, everything that God promises you, everything that God gives you is not just for you, it's so you can be a blessing to others, leading people to Christ. So let me share with you a little bit about my calling. I've shared through the years some of it, but let me just reiterate or go over some of the things. From the time I could remember, my grandmother told me that I was called and that I would be in the ministry. I didn't want it. I wanted professional sports and worked hard towards it. And I'd say, Grandma, I know you love me and I know you want the best for me, but this is what I was going to do. And she just looked at me and go, mm-hmm, okay. One day. I said, okay, Grandma, one day. And uh, sometimes I, w- I would be disrespectful because sometimes I'd get tired of hearing it. I had dreams as a kid. And I would go in and tell my grandmother about it because the dreams that I had, I was preaching in a church and I was laying hands on the sick and miracles were taking place. And I said, Grandma, you're filling my mind with this stuff. Will you please stop? She goes, "Mm mm-hmm. So throughout my childhood, um, part of who I was, I was an athlete, I was I was fast, I was pretty strong. And so just the tendency, there was always people getting hurt around me. I told you the story many years ago of how a kid was climbing the, we were out playing baseball at the the, uh, school. And uh, I was probably 14 or 15. All of a sudden we hear yelling. So we go run over there and this kid fell out of a tree and a stick impaled him. And uh, so everybody looked at it, and they uh, went crazy. And I automatically ran, picked him up, and ran him home. And he was a younger kid. He wasn't as heavy. But I ran him home to his mom. And, of course, they called 911, and, and they came, and all the above. And so constantly um, being playing football or hockey and and someone, you know, would hit the wall and they'd get up and their one finger would be pointing that way, you know. And I'd just, I would just go up to them at the time. Okay, let's try this. My dream in Jesus' name. And, and I'd literally hear bones crack and the finger would go back to normal. And we'd play hockey. And everybody would look at me like, what was that? I don't know. Just... I dreamed about that, and it's happening. So as I was growing up, I was always around, you know, injuries and stuff like that in helping people. And so a few times I began to sit down with my grandmother and uh, ask her, why do you keep saying this? And she said, God promised me. God promised me, and that through you, many in the family would change around, and you would take my place in prayer for the family. 
I was young. Okay, Grandma. So at times, not really even, I'd go to church, you know, Sunday school, and then I'd want to go home. I wanted to play baseball or hockey. So then as I got into Bible college and, and I was saved and going into ministry, uh, I was one of those guys, I was a miser. You know, I saved money and always have, always will. And um, so I worked three years before I went to Bible college and paid for someone's school. Um, they were struggling. Things happened at home, their mom financially, and so I went ahead and paid for a year of their college. I've given away cars. Some of you are going to become my friends now. But <laughs> the, the reality is God would absolutely show me he is a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. And so when I heard him say things to me, I would do it. And I want you to recognize that I'm no one different than you. Sometimes people have a tendency to look at, uh, you know, a baseball player or even a football player. I mean, you, you see it now from last week when the football player had the heart attack. Everybody's talking about football players are human. Really? They are human. I had the privilege of... Uh, working with uh, the Carolina Panthers and the Bobcats, the basketball team, and they're human. They have struggles just like you and me. They're just on TV. Or people are sitting, you know, standing on a, a platform or sitting on a, a platform that there's something more in their life. No, no, bottom line, they are seeing the fulfillment of their call in their life, whatever it may be. Same thing with you. You are just as important to God as I am important to God. You are just important to God than the President of the United States. And you have to recognize in, in the reality is why could, I could accept, but I had difficulty believing. I could accept because I saw things happen. I saw things come to pass. But I had a difficulty a difficult time trying to really believe that God would do it because even today, as I said last week, God has given me promises that have not taken place yet, that I've been waiting for decades. God has given me promises regarding this church back in the day when I was young in this church. It hasn't come to pass yet. Great things have manifested. New promises have come and been fulfilled. But the reality is, I struggled for years in believing. So let's get back to Joseph and let's find out what Joseph did that caused him to be a believer and that helped me to be a believer that when God says something to me, I believe it. It's going to come to pass. It doesn't matter what I experience, what I see, what I don't see, it's going to come to pass. When this situation came, Joseph had to make a decision. Will I believe that God is involved in this circumstance in my life? Will I believe that God has a plan and a purpose beyond what my mind can comprehend? Church, even though 
An angel came to him in a dream. Joseph still had to make a choice to believe. And it's the same with you and I. We must make a choice to believe. You say, well, I'm a believer. Okay, Jesus went to the cross. He died, rose again on the third day, and he resurrected sitting on the right hand of the Father. You believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. We all believe that. But do you believe that promise that God gave you in a dream or you were driving down the road and God said something to you? Do you really believe God said it and God's going to do it? You have to make a choice. Maybe for you that are married, the promise was given to your spouse. I go back to my grandmother. What took place in my life before she passed away was a fulfillment of promises God gave her when she was in her 20s. God gave her a promise that one of her grandchildren would go into the ministry. And here I stand, 41 years later. This is a struggle in believing. Is it really God? If it doesn't happen right away, what do we do? We question, God, did I really hear you? If God talks, you're going to hear him. If you're seeking God and he talks, you will hear him. And a lot of times when you hear him, he's saying things that's beyond your comprehension. He's speaking to your spirit. We also think, will it really happen? <laughs> Negative stuff happens. Battles happen. We make wrong choices. We mess up. We go to God and ask for forgiveness. Then the enemy comes in. Ain't going to happen. You're not good enough. Or here's the big one. I can't quite figure it out how. Because I can't figure it out how, eh, I doubt it'll ever happen. So we stop believing. If you're going to see the promise of God fulfilled or the promises of God fulfilled, which includes the nugget in your future, let me tell you, what is that nugget? Because every time God promises, he's setting you up for future things. You're going to have to believe. The pastor will, will tell me the key of believing. A choice. It's a choice. Yep. He said it. He's going to do it. So what I'm going to do is keep living on with what I know. And I'm going to keep seeking the Lord. I'm going to keep listening to the Lord because he might give me a little bit more of what he's going to do for the future because remember that nugget is there. Every time he gives you, again, I'm going to say it, every time he gives you a promise, every time you hear God, he's setting you up for future things, for greater things. Because everything he says to you is beyond you.
It's beyond you in your comprehension. But everything he says to you is absolutely, watch this, already done with God. So that's believing. So the things that I know that I haven't seen manifest will take place. Now, let me just give you a little caveat too. Not an excuse for stop believing is going to happen in your life. The birth of Jesus Christ was prophesied first with Adam and Eve. And generation after generation after generation after generation heard these promises, the Messiah. But in this story, it will show the fulfillment of two wonderful people, godly people, who learned to wait. So the third thing, you, you accept it, you choose to believe, and the third thing is waiting for the promise. I love the songs today. Set up my message really well. Before I go on, let me answer this question. How do I act upon what God has revealed? How do I act on this? God promised me, how do I live my life even though it's not happening? In Romans 4.20, Abraham was given a promise and his seed would populate as the sand of the seashore. Now, we know Abraham, he tried to figure it out, tried to do it himself. And then after the promise comes, what does God do? God sets him aside and says, kill the promise. Kill Isaac. Remember, Isaac was born. And he says, I want you to go uh, sacrifice Isaac. So Abraham was caught in the promise given and then what God was saying to him. In Romans 4, 20 and 21, Abraham does this and it is explained. Romans 4, 20 and 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How do you get strengthened in faith? The Word, what God said. How do you get strengthened in the promise that he gave you? Go back to what God said. And dive in the word of God and let that word fulfill you and build faith in you to stay believing so you can wait on the promise. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able, also able to perform. Fully convinced that what God had promised, God was also able to perform. But notice a couple words, giving glory. Giving glory to God 
is not walking in the promise. It blesses God. Giving glory to God is accepting, believing, and waiting on God. The greatest glory, the greatest honor you can give Father God, the Godhead, is to accept, believe, and wait. So then what, what we're all thinking now in, in the reality of waiting on God, we have all our definitions of what waiting really means. And so in a moment, I'm going to show you what it really truly means to wait. So if God has given a promise and it looks hopeless, God is able to create miraculous circumstances to produce the promise he has given you if you just believe and wait. Yeah. Our belief system and waiting system must understand is that even though all Hades is broken loose, all chaos has happened, confusion is running amok, everything is out of line, God can produce a circumstance in an instant to change the whole thing. The third action is waiting. Waiting means anxious anticipation. Not worry and when. You ever been in your prayer closet? When God. You ever been there? Why God? Anxious anticipation. Watch Luke 2, verse 25 and 26, speaks of another person in the story, and his name is Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. He was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for what? Waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see physical death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Waiting anticipation. Luke 2, verse 27, 28. So, Simeon, he came by the Spirit into the temple. Notice that. He came by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, hold on to that. I want to say something here. Sometimes in the working of the fulfillment of God's promise, it takes time. It takes time. God is working. Why? Because the fulfillment of the promise in you, he's also setting up for the people to be blessed around you. And sometimes people around you aren't ready to receive what God has given you. God doesn't waste things. Oh, I'll just do it. Zap, zap, zap. Prayer, oh, zap, zap, zap. Whatever. 
Use it however you want to use it. No, he's got purpose with every promise. He's got a reasoning for every promise. And I want to tell you, he focuses in the promise to you on you, highly favored one. But then in the process of time, he sets it up to where the, the given promise, the fulfillment of the promise to you will then be a kickstart for other people to find the promises God has given them. Hello, blessings. Amen. See, that kicks selfishness out of the way. Not about me anymore. When God blesses me, it's not about me. It's about others. So it takes waiting in anticipation of God's work because the anticipation not only of the fulfillment of it, but the anticipation of how you will be a blessing to others. That's why when you walk in church, you're not walking in church going, bah humbug, Christmas, same thing. Verse 29, here's what Simeon said. Now you're letting your servant go in peace according to your promise. Simeon's promise took place. He would not die until he saw the Christ. He actually was able to hold him. That's how huge God is. That's what it would take when you understand accepting, believing, and waiting that that day that is fulfilled in your anticipation that you literally get to hold it. And then you give it away. And then you give it away. So many of my peers love them. I work with a lot of them. Some have helped me and I've helped quite a few sons and daughters in the faith. Have a tendency to want to learn so they can succeed. Make it happen. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I, I do things. I, I, I love what I do. I work hard, all the different things. But again, the very reason why I'm gifted to study the Word, gifted to read books, all kinds of things, and gather things for the church God's given me to the privilege to pastor, the reason why I have this is not just for me. It's for you, all those watching online, and on and on and on. Because selfishness is not a place of the body of Christ. So Simeon went to be, he says, <laughs> isn't that funny? It doesn't say this. He, he bottom line said, now I can die. Whew. I've been waiting. I was hoping it's not going to be another 100 years. You know, we just, we just got to read these stories and have fun with them, right? Because they're human. They're human. Just like that football player, by the way. Continue to pray for him. I believe 
there was a miracle that took place in his life because people stopped immediately and prayed. My personality is difficult to wait. I want it now. Anybody see that movie? What's it called? Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory? Remember Veruca Salt? I want it now! Don't be a bad egg. I might go home this afternoon and watch that. Don't be a bad egg and wait on your nugget. Because when it's fulfilled, there's more that God has for you. It's not over, folks. There's more. And that more is so that you can touch more people. But it takes accepting, believing, and waiting with great anticipation. Not when. James 1.4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see how important that is? Because if you have patience, you're waiting on the promise with great anticipation, and you will be perfect, mature, complete, and you're not walking around lonely, and no one cares. It takes a process when you ask for things. Did you know that Scripture tells us that when you pray, and you pray in Jesus' name that God is immediately moved. And he begins to set things in order for the promise to come to pass. But before the process begins, we are screaming now. And we need to allow the process to begin. There are times God will do things immediately. You know that. You've experienced that. You've prayed and instantaneously things happen. But in many cases in our lives, we're screaming, God! And bottom line, he says, hey, man, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, son, daughter. But I'm setting it all up because after it's fulfilled, you got another nugget that I'm going to give you. He's better than Santa Claus. So you look at Simeon, a man waiting for the promised Messiah. But notice verse 27. I, I just paused on that. I just want to touch on this and move on. Verse 27 is a powerful statement. So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. I believe that Simeon, it was his day off. And he was going to Target or wherever. And or McDonald's, and um, but as he walked by the temple, the Holy Spirit said, "Go on in there. Hmm. Go on in there." The other day, I was uh, a lot going on, just just meeting with people, all kinds of things, and 
And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a day. It was one of my days I'd go work out. I said, I'm just going to take a day and not go work out. I was already dressed to go work out, but I was running around doing stuff. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go in there. And so I went in uh, to the club, and I, I just didn't feel like I was going to work out. So I went and did a couple things, and, and a young guy came by and said, Pastor. I said, hey, how you doing? And uh, we had a conversation, and I was able to minister to him and then told him I'd be praying for him. And then the Holy Spirit said, okay, you can go home now. And that's what God does when you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What a joy it is waiting in anticipation for some of the promises that God has given me that hasn't taken place yet, and sometimes it looks like how, but hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and watch this, being used by God to help fulfill a promise in someone else's life. Because I'm not selfish. It's not about me. See, church is not about me, even though it is with God about me. But it's about worshiping God and honoring God, being a part of faithfulness to the church, to the word of God, to our brothers and sisters, ministering to our neighbors and all that. All right. So the Holy Spirit prompted him to stop by the temple. Simeon stops by the temple, led of the Holy Spirit, and has a divine encounter with Jesus, Joseph and Mary. Wow. You know how many times we miss these encounters? Because we're so concerned about the promise not happening. We're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because we're mad at God, mad at the church, mad at people, mad at our spouse because it's just not going our way. So if you've been waiting a long time, very simply, don't give up. Accept, believe, and keep waiting. God's in process to fulfill your promise. Wait on God. Anticipate his work. See, when I know stuff's not happening, I'm anticipating there's other stuff he's going to do. Other stuff he's going to work with me. Things he's going to do for me. Things he's going to do for my wife. Things he's going to do for my kids. There's nothing greater than experiencing God and and trying to act like God and blessing my family and blessing you and blessing other people. Because I'm waiting on the Lord, but he's using me in the in-between. So if you're in the in-between, anticipate. He will do it. Be sensitive to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. So let's close with this. The promises of God spring from a fountain of hope in our life. Don't lose hope. Maybe you have given up hope. Some of you have just said to heck with it. Maybe you've made some drastic decisions and you've really messed things up. 
because you were so frustrated and angry and, and bitter and became selfish. Uh, hey, I get it. I'm human like you are. Maybe you've become cynical about the moving of God. You hear Pastor Dan or Pastor Ryan or Melissa or whoever come up here and they say the power of God, the presence of God is here. And you're going, yeah, right. I don't feel it. You've been waiting a long time. That's the process. Because it's about others too. So let me tell you this. God fulfills his promises. In Luke 2, verse 36 through 38. Now there was one, notice this person, her name is Anna. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Almost hard words there. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Everyone say 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She was there 84 years later. Day and night, she focused on the promise. So don't lose focus. Stay focused. A lot of you that are athletes, and, and you know that, of education, you've got to stay focused. You know, you 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 got a, a final tomorrow or you, you have a game, then you've got to stay focused, the game plan. You stay focused. I, I play golf. And with golf, you've you got to stay focused. And sometimes, you know, I'm there, focus, 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 and my mind goes, What's, you know, where am I? And I miss a one-foot putt, you know. So, so bottom line, stay focused on what God said to you. Stuff is happening. The enemy's yelling at you, screaming at you. Give up. Lose hope. You're alone. No, you stay focused. Why? Because you have accepted the promise. You believe the promise because God is a promise-keeping God. And then you wait with great anticipation. See, sometimes you, you and I have problems when people, you know they've gone through some really hard times, and you ask them, how you doing? I'm doing great. No, you're supposed to be miserable so I can minister to you. No, they're doing great because they haven't lost hope. Stuff has happened. Devastation has hit their home. But they haven't lost hope because of the three actions we talked about. Next week, we're going to continue, and I'm going to give you another nugget for your future. But let's all stand.
I'm going to ask that um, everyone would just bow their heads and just close their eyes. And without anybody looking around, and the camera's not focused on the congregation, just focus it on me. How many of you can say to me, you've lost focus, you lost hope. And this message has really pierced the very depth of your spirit and it has become truth to you. But you know you've lost focus and hope. Why don't you go ahead and raise your hand if you would, if you're that way. Many of you raised your hands upstairs and downstairs. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want everyone now to look at me. And I want you to understand there's brothers and sisters around you that have lost hope. Can you imagine your importance if you didn't raise your hand? If you're a person of joy, of love and of care and compassion. And then when you look at people's eyes, you're led of the Holy Spirit to pray for one another, to encourage one another. Don't be a Debbie Downer. You know, where it just, it's, it's always about struggle in your life. Maybe there's someone that's standing close by you or out in a courtyard while you're drinking the coffee or having a little snack. Maybe you just need to go up to them and just say, you know what? That message was for us. If you ever need a sister or brother, I'm there for you. You're not alone. Not only do that here, but do that in your home. Do that in your place of business or job. Amen. Let's arise as a church and let's break through and truly understand the Christmas story. Isn't that amazing? Simeon and Anna and Mary and Joseph. We could go to the shepherds. We get, you know, so many people involved in this story. They're all just like you and me. Mary wasn't anybody's hero. Mary didn't have any historical recording of how great she was. She's just like you and me. Highly favored. Why? Because we are highly favored in the Lord. We're special in the kingdom of God. I want you to go in peace and the joy of the Lord, knowing that God loves you and you have to absolutely understand. I used this terminology for 10 years in the South and the East Coast. Your pastor loves you to pieces. I believe in you. 
I every day walk through this sanctuary when no one's here. And I thank God for the giftedness, the blessings, and the, the, the special anointings that you all can and walk in. And when we rise up as a church and do that, people like yourselves will flock here because they will know that the Word of God is taught. Worship is exemplified. And in a few weeks, when we get into a message on prayer, we're going to rise up and have breakthrough Sundays. We're going to see the power of God move like we've never experienced before. Why? God's moved before in our church. But remember, when God does something, there's a nugget for the future. And we've been set up for that nugget to come to pass. And I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy your afternoon. I pray you come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Your whole family, invite your your neighborhood friends. They might belong to another church. Invite some young people to the youth group, children, and the adults to come in here. Because remember, Pastor Dan said, I'm going to talk more tonight. God bless you. Have a great day.